You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, we welcome you once again to Open Court with Jay Young, your podcast destination for all things Fairfield basketball, along with the coach. I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. This is installment number one of Open Court 2022-23. Thanks for joining us again. If you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard as we begin our journey through another season of Stags basketball. Joe, um, a welcome back to you, and uh, last time we checked in with you, you didn't have nearly as many grandchildren <laughs> as you do now. Uh, n- number three, I think? Just yeah, just uh, last week had uh, number three, three boys, so uh, I'm sure before we blink again, there'll be more on the way, but uh, things are good. And uh, run down the names for us again. Well, my uh, oldest, three and a half, is uh, is Joseph, after his dad. And um, my second guy, who's one and a half, is Vincent, after my dad. Mm-hmm. And then um, my son Gregory, who lives down in Charlotte, North Carolina, just had a Benjamin Mark. Where they got Benjamin from, I don't know. But he's cute, and he's healthy, and that's all that matters. Congratulations. And I'm sure uh, more to come. You have, no doubt. Uh, you're marrying <laughs> off your daughter, I think, next spring, is it? No, 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 no. I, I'm, my, losing, my, I'm losing track. My, yeah, my oldest daughter has been married a year. Oh, okay. And the youngest one, Michelle, is, um, I don't know how far she is from marriage, but uh, we're not talking about that yet. <laughs> well, uh, we have... She's running, by the way, in the New York City Marathon th- uh, Sunday. Oh, congratulations to her. Good, good. Yeah. Good. I can't say I'm in favor of it, but... Is this the first time she's yeah, done it? Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay, we'll keep an eye on the time. You there. got it. You and, got it. Uh, I don't think we'll see either of us doing that anytime soon. Uh-huh. And, uh, Coach, I don't think you either. How's that replacement going with, with the knee? Uh, it's been about... A year plus since you got the reconstruction there. How's it going? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not going to be running any marathons. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, it's better. It's uh, you know still a little cranky at times, but uh, I'm, I'm fine. You look great, and um, this is year four for you. It, it, it's amazing how quickly it goes by. Um, I guess we could start off by asking you. At the end of year four coming up, are they going to be chanting four more years for Jay Young? <laughs> this is a pretty good-looking team. Uh, I'm sure you're anxious to deliver. Well, I hope they are. Yeah. I hope they're chanting that. Uh, I, I, I do like this group. Uh, you know, I've been telling everybody it's uh, the most depth we've had and the most talent that we've had. Uh, a lot of things need to happen for us to have a successful season. But uh, – it's been a good group to work with, and uh, I think we've got some answers, certainly offensively, more than we've had in the past. Mentioned that this is year four for you. Um, you have exactly two players on your roster who were with you in year one. That would be uh, Chris Mido and uh, Alan Gene Rose. So I guess it's safe to say that this roster this year reflects what Jay Young is looking to build here in terms of uh, you know, getting that foundation in place. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and and uh, you know, we've had obviously you know I was fortunate enough to take over and coach some really good kids. But we were always trying to recruit some length and a little more size. Uh, and we've we've got you know a ways to go with some of that. But but this certainly, I guess, resembles more the team uh, that I want to coach just with 
you know, some of the length at the wing spot. And, and we've got a, you know, certainly for our level, a good size front court and, and some guys who athletically can do some stuff. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into some of the particulars in terms of uh, personnel later on during this first podcast. One thing I have detected just talking to fans, people connected to the program, uh, the excitement level for this upcoming season of Fairfield basketball is more pronounced than, than usual, and for one obvious reason, because uh, this season coincides with the opening of the Leo D. Mahoney Arena. So naturally, there's a lot of excitement surrounding that. But it seems to be intersecting with a, a good roster. This looks like a good Fairfield team. My question is, does that translate to the team? And in other words, do you sense from the team that they're aware of you know what the capabilities are, uh, the, the upside of this team and this season happen to be? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I, I think that they, certainly the guys who've been in the program the last couple of years, uh, look around and, and realize that we're deeper, we're longer, we're more athletic, and we've got more offensive answers. So I think our practices, that's translated to our practices being more competitive for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the competition for positions has been greater than it's ever been. So uh, I think there's a feeling that, that this could be a, a good year, but there's also a lot of things that could derail that that we got to stay away from. And, uh, you know, uh, we've got some – we've we've got more talent, that's for sure, and I think that they know that. The roster turnover, uh, you lost Caleb Green, your point guard. You lost two of the most dependable players in program history and Taj Benning and Jesus Cruz combined in their careers over 300 games played – over 2,500 points. Those are the um, the numbers. But in terms of leadership, that seems to be the biggest void left. So when you look at who's back and what they're trying to replace in terms of that leadership void, who individually um, do you think you can look toward or are looking toward right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned a couple in, in Chris and and AJ, who've been in the program the longest, mm-hmm. and and uh, Jake Wojcik, who's now going into his third year. Zach Chrysler's an older guy, so um, you know it, it's kind of leading by committee. Where those three just jumped out at you right away that they were clearly the leaders of our program, um, and uh, they were three, as you said, they were three of the best I've ever been around. Um, but we've we've had good leadership in our practices, and uh, I've been happy with the way that they've kind of jumped in and uh, when things aren't going well uh, and I always say if you want to be a you want to be a coach coach team or a player coach team and so far we've done a good job being a player coach team so those are a few of the guys who have kind of stepped up uh, but everyone even the transfers you know Caleb Fields has got a good voice in practice and, and Bryson Goodine so those guys have been uh, positive they're mature they've been through the ringers of some bas- college basketball games so they've been good they've been good so I don't know if anybody's j- just kind of jumped out and said this is the leader of the team it's been more by committee but they've done a good job so far Jay you, you've been coaching a long time and the game has changed the kids have changed and you're an old school guy in terms of leadership have you had to adjust the way you've coached them over the years yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, I think all of us, as we get older, we probably get a little more mellow. I, I don't know if you talk to the guys, maybe they would say differently about me, but I've thought a lot about, you know, the way that you, you've, you you know, got to deal with kids nowadays, that there's a little less yelling and, uh, you know, 
I think more than ever, Joe, relationships are so important, especially with the portal. Um, that if you're going to ask kids to do special things, you have to have special relationships with them. So I think about that a lot and uh, try and do a good job working on that and making sure we get, we have really good communication and really good uh, relationships with these guys. Along those same lines, Coach, um, kind of leads into the chemistry makeup of this team. And you have uh, five newcomers. You have one red shirt, Makai Willis. So he's familiar with the lay of the land, but now he's taking on an entirely different role this year. Uh you have three guys on this team who've never played in a college game, and um, there's a lot of disparate parts that have to come together, which equals chemistry. And I know you don't really get a feel for that until things play out, but initially, how has this group come together from, from your standpoint? Yeah, it's been very good. Um, you know, I, I, I've said it seems like a team that has played, and you're right, we do have a lot of moving parts and new guys, but it seems like a team – that's played together longer than they have. Um, but all, I also know that, you know, uh, you know that changes a little bit on on Monday night when you throw it up for real and you only have two, 200 minutes to divide between 13 right. guys. So that, that, that will change. But so far it's been really good, and the guys have had really good attitudes. Yeah, you, speaking about uh, getting ready to um, tie them up and get ready to play, you had an interesting um, exhibition game. Uh, playing against uh, your your buddy uh, Rutgers and Steve Peichel. Uh again a Rutgers team that's uh, anywhere from fifth to seventh in that Big Ten, maybe thirtieth best in the country. How, your initial, how was it coaching against Steve Peichel? It was a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah it I was, can imagine. It was a little weird. Um, you know, uh, we just drove up the day of the game, and you know, you just kind of walk in that back door which now you're the opponent. And uh, it was funny because my wife said to me before the game, which bench will you be sitting on? Mm. And I said, what do you mean, which bench? <laughs> the one that, you know, John Beeline used to sit on and that, that bench. And she just like a weird pause for a second. She said, boy, is that sad? Mm. And I said, and I laughed. And uh, But it was a little strange going back, and but so many good friends and, and – uh, you know, the best thing about the game, Joe, is it didn't count. So, so it made it a little easier in that aspect. Well, that leads me. It's a good segue into my next question statement. That's – were you did, – did you lose focus at all? Like, were you distracted early on knowing that he was down the other end? And would you play him in a regular season game? I don't think I lost any focus. And, and you probably – once you throw it up, it's you just kind of have tunnel vision. I didn't really even – pay attention to him down the other end much. I was worried about our execution and, and how we were playing. So uh, it wasn't really till after the game where we shook hands that, you know, I, I kind of realized we we had just finished the game. Um, but I would play him in a regular season game. It is a little awkward, um, you know, to, to do that because we, we are so close. Um, you know, but if the, if the situation presented itself, I certainly would. What were the things um, coming out of that game that, you looked at the tape. There were, I'm sure, goals you set, things you wanted to hit in that game in terms of um, individuals uh, executing the stuff that you were asking for. Uh, what was your evaluation after that Rutgers exhibition? You know, honestly, I, I got home and I watched the film, and uh, I, I was really kind of disappointed in, uh, you know, certainly our transition defense. I, mm-hmm. I, I thought we had spent considerable time and we didn't get the payback that we needed to have in the game. And then second half, we 
we just had, you know, too many turnovers and they were kind of, you know, our doing not nothing really that Rutgers did to us. They, they pressed a little late in the game, but, and we threw one away there, but it was mostly just kind of, you know, misreads or, or sloppy passing or bad catching in the second half that, that led to some easy baskets for them. So, uh, I was really impressed with the Rutgers team. I honestly was. Uh, they're big at all those guard spots. And, uh, you know, they got the kid Paul Mulcahy, who's six six point guard. And they go like six five, six six, one through four, and then they have, you know, a pro in the middle. Um, so, but I just thought their physicality was uh, impressive. We went to war with them on the glass, which I liked. I liked those numbers. I thought we competed on the glass. But... Our transition defense was poor, uh, and and the turnovers in the second half kind of jumped out at me. So uh, you're a defensive team. Everybody knows that. But obviously, you know, you want to score. You want to run more. You want to get offense off your defense. You mentioned rebounding. You had 13 offensive rebounds against a, you know, a pretty big team, a big-time athletic team. Is is that something you're going to concentrate on, maybe try and – Hey guys, if we're going to score more, we're going to have to shoot more threes. We're going to have to play better defense, create steals, and we're going to have to offensive rebound. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the glass for us is always a priority on both ends. So, so, and we've got some guys who can kind of get there and a little more size up front than we've had. So that certainly helps. Uh, you know, uh, we played Makai a lot at the four, played him and Supreme together, and we hadn't done that a ton leading up to that. We want to try it, but Supreme had been out hurt. Um, so. I, I like some of that that when when those guys win there together, um, so yeah, that's that's a priority. You know, the the good I guess the good sign is I didn't think we were great offensively either. And we scored sixty five points. You know, uh, two years ago when I didn't think we were great offensively, we'd score forty five points. So I just think that we do have some more answers. We shot the three well, but uh, we're gonna have to. I, I said after the game, uh, you know, we had some, we had some good moments, but we have a lot big week ahead of us to improve before we go down a week. Yeah, how um, how closer are you in your own mind being able to correct those two glaring things that you mentioned, the transition defense and uh, the turnovers, which obviously uh, any given game night, right. you've got to make sure those that number is low. But you got Wake Forest as your opener um, coming up on Monday. So uh, how correctable between now and then are those two things in your own mind? Yeah, I mean they're they're both correctable. Um, you know, it's it's not like we haven't drilled them or haven't worked. That's why I was disappointed uh, right. in in especially our transition defense. And you know, we had turned it over a little bit um, during the practice, and I was worried about that. Then we had a, uh, our first scrimmage; we didn't turn over. We we had pretty good ball security. Um, and again, I just thought our turnovers were more forced errors by ourselves and 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 mistakes that we made rather than, uh, you know, what Rutgers really did to us. So they're correctable. We've got to, you know, we've got to do it quickly, yeah. obviously, because we we, uh, we leave Sunday to go down to Winston-Salem. Uh, let's get into the personnel, starting with the guys who came in through that uh, transfer portal, uh, Caleb Fields and Bryson Goodheim. Um, how, before I get into those two guys specifically and what they're going to bring to the program, how difficult is it to negotiate this transfer portal, and how happy were you uh, when all was said and done, and and you brought in these guys? Yeah, it's it's you know changed college basketball for sure the way that the transfer portal is. But I, I do think in our situation at Fairfield, we we have a place where 
you know, guys really like it here, and uh, they like going to school here. They like the environment, and uh, hopefully we, our retention uh, will be great. And when we need to take advantage of the portal, it'll be there for us. So I think in our case, uh, I hope that, that we can, you know, retain the, the guys. And uh, when we, like I said, when we do need to go in the portal, take advantage of that. And I thought that's what we did this past year when we took Bryson and we took Caleb. Caleb Fields, um, you're asking a lot of him. Uh, he's going to be your lead guard. Uh, he'll be your starting point guard. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the impact he can make on this program. How will he uh, fit in as far as relative to MAC competition, uh, his strengths, and, and the things you want him to work on? Yeah, I think you saw glimpses of it on Sunday. You know, he ran, did a good job of running our team. He uh, was able to make, you know, um, open threes and, and uh, made a couple of contested ones, which really helped yeah. us, especially in some big moments. And uh, he's a good defender. He's He plays with a little swagger, uh, and he's a good athlete, too. He, he can play above the rim. Uh, you didn't really see that on Sunday, but uh, he's been really good. I mean, you know, uh, I like his swagger. He plays with the confidence. Uh you know, and he's got a little edge to him, which which we need. So uh, he's he's been a good addition. Do Do you feel he is that guy uh, to make uh, legitimate point guard plays in big games? I, I think you're a better shooting team. We'll talk about that later. Is he a guy that can create help, drive, and kick? Yeah, he he can. He's transitioning really to play in this position in college uh, full time for the first time. So he was more comboish at Bowling Green. So some of the stuff, Joe, is a work in progress where just kind of making the right reads and, and where guys are going to be. He's done a good job. He needs to continue to develop that. And uh, But I think his his progression through the season, you'll really see him turn into the, that true point guard. And you mentioned his ability to hit, hit the three. He knocked down three of them at, at Rutgers. Uh, historically, his Bowling Green numbers would tell you that he's just a so-so three-point shooter. Have you seen, are you pleasantly surprised, not just the Rutgers game, but what you've seen in the preseason as far as his ability to knock down that shot? Yeah, we, we he had a great summer shooting the ball, and we were kind of saying the same thing. Like, you know, he came in with some numbers that didn't pop out at you, certainly shooting the three at Bowling Green. But the one thing that he, he's a tireless worker, he, he's – like our old Caleb, like Caleb Green, right. the one thing that they do have in common, uh, not only the first name, but they live in the gym. Mm-hmm. So he's in there constantly shooting uh, and really realized that he needs to improve that, improve some of his range, and he's done a really good job with that. So uh, we're hoping that continues. But that's the part I like the most, Bob, is just how hard he goes. And, and uh, he's been really good in practice, doesn't take a, a drill off, doesn't take a, a rep off. So uh, that's all great stuff to, to watch. I, you, you mentioned some important um, facets for a, a true all-around point guard, shooting a three, making plays. I also look, and I hate to be critical of last year's team, but you know, last year you had Green and, and Wojcik, who were terrific players. They didn't get to the foul line a lot, like uh, average under two per game. And I always thought, like I know, remember back in the day when I played, I would find myself shooting a lot of long shots, and I said to myself, I got to get to the line. I got, and if you want to create pace and you want to be able to. Um, a point guard, like I said, create pace, help the coach get players in. Free throw shooting is important. Is he a guy that can get to the rim, get to the foul line? I know he's a little bigger and stronger than Caleb Green. Right. It's got to be important for what you're trying to do. 
Yeah, I believe he can. He's re- he's really explosive. Um, you know, he'll he'll come and catch a dunk off an offensive rebound in practice every now and then that that you didn't see that against Rutgers. But he can get in there. Uh, he's a downhill guy. Uh, if he gets his shoulders, you know, by a guy, he's going to go. So uh, to answer your question, he can get to the free throw line, and, and he's a good free throw shooter. Uh, we just spent a lot of time talking about. Kale Fields. Now, how about Bryson Goodine? Where um, where does he fit in in terms of uh, what you're asking for him to do, role wise and uh, rotation wise, and what are his skills and what are the things he needs to work on? Yeah, I think Bryson comes into the league as one of the better athletes, certainly at that two three spot um, in the league. So he's an above the rim guy, uh, can shoot the three. Um, you know, we talked a lot about. Uh, during the summer was just getting stronger. You know, he came in a little light at about 182 pounds that he had to put more time in the weight room, which he's done a really good job with that. Um, you know, and everybody asked me about Bryson, and to me, he's just got to play. You know, he was had a limited role at Syracuse, certainly for two years at Providence. So you're thinking, you know, he hasn't really played meaningful minutes in college basketball in almost three years. So he's just got to play. He's got to get his confidence back. Uh, he did a good job, I thought, especially in the second half against Rutgers. Yep. And, uh, you know, he I, I think sometimes he overthinks things. And I just tell him, just go in there and, uh, you know, score. That's what I want you to do. It's not, it's, it's kind of, and, and be a great defender. So, uh, again, I just think it's a thing for him where he's got to just start to get minutes under his belt and, and get his swagger back that he has, you know, when I saw him in high school, when he was a top 100 player in high school. Let's uh, stay with the guards for a moment and uh, talk about Jalen Leach. Um, the two questions with Jalen, number one, his um, capabilities uh, when it comes to remaining healthy, <laughs> and number two, how confident are you in his ability to be your backup point guard? Yeah, I mean, we we were always heading that way, but every time we – got close Jalen would get hurt and uh, we had to shut him down obviously his freshman year and his his uh, sophomore year so that was always the plan because he kind of played that in high school some we liked his size at that position and he could make plays for guys he made a really good play he got uh, James a three late in the game I don't know if uh, on a, on a uh, really good pass penetrate and kick play so he's got that good vision um and it's just a health issue, Bob, for him. Like, can we keep him healthy? And, and I, I told him that this is the year that's going to have a good story. So um, he's yep. been really good, feeling good. Uh, we extended him maybe a little longer than I thought we would in the Rutgers game. I wasn't sure going into it. And then I kind of looked at the box score and didn't realize I played him as much as I did. Um, but he felt good. And uh, and I, I like the fact he handled the ball well. Uh they have a good defensive point guard that came off the bench and kind of got up into him and tried to zigzag him up the floor. And I thought Jalen was really poised, uh, handling the ball, and, and made some good plays. So all positives from, from that end. Um, Supreme Cook, uh, talking about Jalen and his ability to, or hopeful ability to stay healthy. Uh, Supreme had some stuff done in the offseason, right, uh, just to clean up uh, a knee yeah. issue? Yeah, he was having a little uh, – uh, swelling that was just kind of bothering him, and we did an MRI on him. And, and uh, you know, they just went in. There was no cutting of any ligaments or tendons, but it had to be cleaned out. So that that took a you know shut him down for about eight weeks, uh, end of the summer, and then uh, you know beginning of practice. So 
Before the Rutgers game, he had gone full for us probably seven practices or so. We didn't play him in our first scrimmage at all. Uh, and I think you, if you watch the game, you could see him those those first yeah. few times up and down the court. Yep. He was really sucking wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can ride any bike you want or do any of that stuff till you get out there and go up and down and have, uh, you know, basketball movements. Sure. It's way different. So uh, we're going to continue to work on that this week. Uh, he felt no pain, felt really good after the game, which was a great sign. Uh, his knee's feeling good. It's just really now a matter of him getting his conditioning back. He's a, a first-team preseason All-Max selection, and um, that's a great honor for him. The question would be, how willing is he to embrace that greatness? I mean, a lot of uh, the coaches have bestowed that upon him, and I know he wants to be great, but in through your eyes as his head coach, um, have you noticed the difference in Supreme and willing to take that next step toward what people – now expect him to become you know supreme is uh even last year was was probably one of our uh, best practice guys as far as effort and and that type of thing so uh his development's been huge just from that end of it learning to practice every day learning to communicate so the answer is yeah he's been terrific uh he had a dominant summer uh I, i think i said this to you at one point, it was supreme, and then number two was whoever you want to pick. He was he was kind of like that during the summer before we shut him down. So uh, he's made a lot of progress. Uh, we've worked hard on him throwing the ball out of the post. Uh, that was a big project yep. of ours this summer, and he's done a good job with that uh, because he's double teamed so much and, he, and uh, he's got he's he's a willing passer. It's just trying to you know get his reads down when when he is doubled. Uh, so he he's been great. Um, he plays with a, a real confidence and a real anger, uh, which I love. And uh, you know, we just got like I said, right now it's just a matter of getting him back to his conditioning. But he's he's been he's been had, like I said, as, as dominant a summer as any guy I've ever been around. So I know the injury has slowed him down, but the big thing last year with him was foul trouble and also conditioning. Is you looking at him as like a thirty game, thirty starts, thirty minute type guy? We'd like to get him up there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'd like to get him up there, and we think we can. Um, he's gotten, uh, you know, one of the, I guess, benefits to being out is that we were always wanted to put some more weight on him. He played at around 210, 215 at the most last year. And I thought sometimes when he got against heavier guys, it just kind of wore him down a little bit. So we really try to get him up around 230, which he's close to right now playing. And I think that's that's helped him. Um, and the time off actually on his knee, I think long-term will be good for him. I hate to use the word X-factor because, you know, no one can really define what an X-factor is. But uh, I think Makai Willis might be the guy who would be the um, the Fairfield definition of that right now because uh, based on what we saw in the Rutgers game – and based on his physical capabilities, and based on the fact that he's been through the program, uh, he he's a, he's a red shirt last year, but he did play in four games, and uh, he knows what's expected of him. Uh, has he been a pleasant surprise, if that's the way of putting it? Uh, what is he capable of doing this year? Yeah, I think anybody around the program, even last year, would tell you that his talent was really good. Everybody kind of knew that. Um, because um, he would do some things in practice that, that were pretty impressive. It was just the consistency of his practice average every day. And then he had, 
you know, a tendonitis issue with his knee that uh, didn't help him be consistent in practice. Um, so we decided that when it came to that threshold of the number of games that he could play, we were going to have to make a decision that it was best to shut him down and just save the year. Um, so, you know, like you said, Bob, he's went through a year of practicing, and, and he was pretty much a regular guy after that practice. And we, when his knee would flare him up, we would sit him down and that type of thing. So uh, it's never been an issue with his talent. Um, he, he's one of the more talented guys in our program. I think just kind of learning to be an everyday college player took him a little longer. And what that means, you know, showing up to practice every day, being ready, being prepared. And uh, he's made huge strides on that. And, uh, yeah, he, he's a great kid. Uh, we, It's just a matter of him and the consistency every single day of what you need to do to be uh, great because he's got all he's got the rest of it. He really does. Going to uh, veer away from the personnel just for a second because I was um, at an event with uh, you uh, last week, and uh, you talked about how if this Fairfield team can lead the MAC in defensive efficiency, this will be, in your opinion, an NCAA tournament team. And um, I started thinking about defensive efficiency and how to quantify it. And I read a little bit about San Diego State, which has been like top five defensive efficiency the last uh, like three seasons. And I read an article on them, and here's a checklist, things that they do really well that goes into a really good defensive efficiency team. Timely switches on ball screens, ability to shrink space by getting into gaps, contest shots both on the perimeter and at the rim, closeouts that force dribblers into help, stunt and recover well, my point being, and what I'm leading up to... Can I have that list? <laughs> <laughs> People think, okay, defense is just playing hard. Anybody can play hard, and that's that's the biggest component of playing good defense. But that really isn't it. There is so much that goes into being a good defensive team, especially in terms of what we're talking about here, uh, You know, limiting points per... 100 possession is defensive efficiency. How capable is this Fairfield team, based on what you have seen so far, of grasping all those elements and bringing it all together? Because it's not easy. You're coaching it up to that. Uh, How close are you to being where you want to be? How much more needs to be done? Yeah, we're a long way from where I think we need to be. but we're very capable. I, I think sometimes when you have co- when you start coaching guys who have a history of scoring, that some of the defensive stuff uh, gets lost. And uh, I think we've, again, we, we had 65 points, and I didn't think we were uh, great offensively the other day. I think we've got guys who can score. Uh, our key is going to be, you know, can we stop people and uh, – and we're capable of it. We just got to have a little more uh, urgency on that end of the floor every single day in practice and, and, uh, and you know, as we start playing here. So the season ends. Uh, your recruiting's done. You pretty much know who you have coming in personnel-wise. Like I said, the season ends. Is there anything – did you pick up on anything you need to do better defensively? Like how you go – and I know every team, every game is different with personnel. Is there anything you think – that you have to get better at 
ball screen action, um, uh, switching, um, pressing, and just so we bring it up and get it out of the way, will you play any zone this year? <laughs> no. So we, we will not ask you that again. Okay, For the we, Last year we had 14 podcasts, and the malcontents are still asking why you don't play zone. So we, will, we are addressing this right now. You will not play any zone. I wonder why if they, on the Syracuse podcast, if they get mad at Jim Beheim for playing all zone. I wonder if that, that I wonder if they do that. Um, uh, I don't want to give away too much. We might do a couple things defensively that are different than in the past. So I don't want to give away too much uh, uh, in case anybody from Wake Forest is, is, is listening. But we will be a man-to-man team. Uh, we might have a couple wrinkles uh, in there on um, some situations because one of the things I, I did look at and we've looked at is just trying to create, you know, a couple extra possessions per half and a couple more live ball turnovers and what we need to do for that. So, um, yes, uh, we will play man-to-man for sure. There is uh, so much we didn't get to. That's the bad news. The good news is we have a, an entire season's worth of uh, games and podcasts still to come. But uh, let's get to the obvious uh, thing that's in front of you right now, the opener at, at Wake Forest, obviously a big challenge in your opening game. Um, they don't have uh, Jake LaRavia. He now plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, looking pretty good. Alondis Williams is with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, yet there's plenty of talent still in that program. You're on the road, hostile environment, yada, yada, yada. Uh, still, you're going down there to win that game. Uh, what do you need to do to pull off an upset against the team at Deacons? You know, we need to defend the three because uh, they do have some – they got uh, Tyree Appleby, a transfer from Florida, who really shoots it and uh, guard uh, the return with Kid Williamson, who returned from last year, had, I think, seven threes in their exhibition versus Winston-Salem. Andrew Carr, a transfer from Delaware, is a step-out kind of four-man who can shoot. So I think defending the three for, for us uh, is going to be huge. And uh, he's a very good – Steve Forbes, very good coach, very good defensive coach. They get after you. We're going to have to take care of the ball. Um, so we're going to have our hands full for sure. It's a little bit different because they have so many new guys on their roster. They really do. And, uh, you know, they played one closed exhibition and then uh, an exhibition versus Winston-Salem that there was no tape available. So we're not going to have much on them. We obviously know the way they played last year and what they ran last year. But a number of those guys aren't on the roster this year. So we're going in just kind of getting as much information as we can. But uh, we don't have a lot of tape on on, uh, certainly what they're doing this year. Well, you kind of answered my question. You know, I used to play this game with my kids, uh, and I used to tell them, ask me an NBA player, and I'll tell you what college they went to. Now you can't do that. It's (laughs) so hard to do that. And I was going to ask you how difficult it is to play an out-of-conference team with this era of transfers and new players and – Essentially, you're always going into a game worried about what you do, but it'll be more so in this situation because of the reasons you just mentioned. You couldn't get tape. It's early on. they got so many new players. Yeah, I mean, there's tape available from the, the old places that they were at. So Apple be transferred from Florida and Cleveland State. So we've got plenty of individual personnel stuff, and we'll, we'll really you know hammer our guys about some tendencies and what we have to do. But as far as schemes that they're going to do offensively and defensively, you're really relying – on what they ran last year. Um, and most teams don't have drastic changes in what they've run or how they play. So you're kind of just relying on that. And then a lot of individual stuff about how you should be guarding guys. And it's new for them too, right? They've got a lot of guys and they're playing for the first yep. time too. So hopefully that, uh, that will help us. 
Joe, any final words as we wrap it up? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I did some uh, little homework as I was watching the uh, Phillies get uh, no-hitted last night. And in our last podcast last year, you, you said to us that you thought you had to do – I'm going to paraphrase, of course um, – too much coaching on the offensive end. You had to generate too much yourself. You got a new team, like everyone, we, we said a hundred times. Everyone's got new players. Is that something you're going to get better at? Is your team going to have more freedom offensively? Yeah, I mean, I think freedom's kind of uh, created by the the talent that you have offensively, quite honestly. And, and because I think we have more guys who can go get their own baskets and can do some stuff, that there will be. Um, you know, some of what we did, we felt we had to – script a little more and, and help the guys a little more. And if you can only make, uh, you know, left elbow jumpers, you got to get the guy at the left elbow to make left elbow jumpers. Yeah, right. 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 So um, I, I do think we got more versatility in those areas. And, uh, you know, we didn't call a lot. You know, one, we knew Wake Forest was getting the tape, so we didn't want to call a lot of sets the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other part is I just think, you know, we do have more guys who can just kind of play uh, and things could be less scripted. Coach, as always, uh, thanks for the time. Uh, these seasons, just uh, they come at you real quickly. And uh, good luck as this new season comes at you on Monday as you travel down to Wake Forest. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And that will do it for this first installment of Open Court with Jay Young. An update on season tickets now for the Leo D. Mahoney Arena. The uh, men play their first game on Saturday night, December 3rd, against St. Peter's. Over 700 season tickets have already been sold. Excellent seats are still available. Fairfieldstags.com forward slash TIX to secure your season tickets. Single game tickets will be on sale shortly. And also coming soon is the lineup of this season's promotions and other game day enhancements. So watch for that. And you can watch for our next edition of Open Court. It will drop following the game at Xavier on November 15th and leading up to the game at Wagner on November 18th as we get this season up and running. So for Jay Young and the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis and our great producer Ryan Moynihan, I'm Bob Hiesler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.